Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified, except by society members themselves. In 1871, Italian revolutionary Giuseppe Mazzini received a mysterious letter. It was postmarked on August 15th, and judging by the stamps, it had come from the United States of America. Mazzini tore open the letter, expecting it to be no more than a note of support for his push for an Italian republic. Instead, he was surprised to find a dire prediction for humanity's future. The writer, a Freemason named Albert Pike, claimed that a war was coming. Not just one battle, but three worldwide conflicts that would rip humanity apart. Pike insisted that the first of his apocalyptic clashes was already set in motion. He predicted that it would only end when communism overtook the Russian monarchy. The second battle would involve Zionists warring for dominance with fascists. Finally, in the last apocalyptic clash, Islamists and Zionists would mutually destroy each other, wiping out most of humanity in the process. In the aftermath, Pike predicted that the remaining few survivors would discover the truth the Freemasons had known all along, that the one true God was Lucifer. To someone like Giuseppe Mazzini, Pike's letter likely seemed like the ravings of a lunatic. But legend of the letter spread, and after Pike's predictions about the First and Second World War came true, people began believing that his message meant one of two things. Either Pike could see the future, or the Freemasons had the ability to shape history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. I'm Greg Polson. And this is Secret Societies, a ParCast original. Every Thursday, we examine history's most exclusive organizations from around the world and try to shine a light on these mysterious groups. From the Illuminati to the Order of the Nine Angles, we'll explore how much impact each secret society actually had on the world around them. This is our second episode on Freemasonry, the world's oldest fraternity. In the Middle Ages, Freemasons co-opted the practical lessons taught inside stoneworkers' lodges. Society members then turned those teachings into allegories, using them to show their members how to be better men. Last week, we explored the history of Freemasonry, the importance of their symbolism, and the culture of secrecy that made this society so controversial. This week, we'll dive deeper into the strange stories that sprang up about Freemasonry throughout history. We'll cover allegations that Freemasons were secretly an occultist sect. And we'll explore why some people claimed the group created a secret government in a bid to control the world. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In 1885, French religious critic Leo Taxiel did something completely unexpected. He went to confession. Taxiel entered the narrow wooden booth and explained to the astonished priest that he'd had a change of heart after years of writing attacks against the Vatican, the Pope, and the Church, he wanted to convert to Catholicism. At the priest's prompting, Leo Taxiel listed out his sins. He lamented that he'd spent years writing fiery pamphlets and rude satires poking fun at the Church. He vowed to repent for the libelous book he'd penned accusing the late Pope Pius IX of carrying on multiple affairs. And his deviances didn't stop there. The priest listened, wide-eyed, as Taxiel claimed he'd witnessed ungodly acts as a member of the Freemasons. He whispered that he'd even helped to commit a murder. The priest was outraged by Taxiel's heinous crime, but he didn't report it to the police. Instead, he told Taxiel that God would grant him absolution. In that way, the church Taxiel had long denounced decided to accept him with open arms. However, the priest's forgiveness didn't come without conditions. As penance for his sins, he ordered Taxiel to use his voice for good. In other words, if Taxiel wanted absolution, he had to defend the Catholic Church. In line with this command, Taxiel soon became one of Catholicism's loudest warriors. As for the rage he once used to denounce the Church, he now directed it towards the Freemasons. He wrote a series of books called Complete Revelations of French Masonry, exposing the group's true evil. Within the pages of his books, Taxiel made several incendiary claims about the Freemasons. In one chapter, he wrote about a gruesome ritual where members would give a sheep a close shave. Once the animal's skin felt like a human's, they would force a blindfolded potential initiate to slaughter it. This would cause the traumatized member to briefly believe they had killed a man. Sometimes the Freemasons were even more depraved. Taxiel alleged that in certain ceremonies, they would substitute the sheep for a real person, oftentimes a member who had betrayed the Brotherhood. In those instances, Masons would goad their blindfolded initiates into committing actual murder. Taxiel didn't stop at accusing the Masons of homicide. In other books, he claimed they were powerful magicians, able to make tables float in the air and transform themselves into crocodiles. Pope Leo XIII was stunned. He didn't distinguish between the allegations of murder and the fantastical reports of magic. He believed everything wholesale. So much so that he invited Taxiel to Rome, where he allegedly bestowed the Order of the Holy Sepulchre upon him, a kind of Catholic knighthood. After he received this honor, Taxiel upped the ante. He began to write that there was a Satanist religion hidden at the heart of Freemasonry called Paladism. Taxiel claimed he received some of his information from Diana Vaughn, a high priestess of Paladism. He relayed all her reports to the Catholic authorities through memoirs he claimed she had written. And needless to say, the things Diana allegedly described terrified the church. According to Diana, there was a certain sect within Freemasonry which hid a terrible secret. It was called the Scottish Rite. 
When members were initiated into the sect, they believed it to be a normal Freemason society, teaching lessons about philosophy and morality. And it was, for the first of its 33 degrees. However, when members ascended to the 33rd degree, they learned the truth only known to an elite group. Scottish Rite Freemasonry was an indoctrination tool for paladism, the secret Freemason religion devoted to Lucifer. At that point, members were so devoted to the group that they bought into its satanic ceremonies. Furthermore, these activities weren't metaphorical. Diana claimed that members of the Scottish Rite worshipped the devil in the flesh. In other words, the devil didn't go down to Georgia. He was right at home in Charleston, South Carolina, the headquarters of the Scottish Rite and home of Albert Pike, who allegedly wrote the letter to Giuseppe Mazzini. The devil lived in the lodge there, undisguised, openly displaying his cloven hooves, long horns, and winding tail. From this comfortable seat of power, Satan gave all his instructions to his disciple, Albert Pike. Pike was called the Supreme Pontiff of Universal Freemasonry, and according to Diana, he presided over many Freemason councils, relaying Satan's orders to hundreds of Masons worldwide. For that reason, Diana dubbed Pike the Luciferian Pope. However, Satanic activities weren't restricted to the Luciferian Pope. Diana claimed that everyone in the upper level of Scottish Rite Freemasonry partook in the group's devilish bacchanals. Some of these twisted ceremonies featured ritual murders, while others devolved into orgies. This deviance continued during the Black Mass, the group's so-called church service. During these sessions, Scottish Rite Freemasons subverted the Eucharist and other Catholic icons to make a mockery of their Dark Lord's greatest enemy. Despite the disturbing nature of Diana's stories, the Catholic Church clamored for more. They were hungry for ammunition in their fight against Freemasonry. And to keep up with the demand, Taxiel continually published new and even more shocking stories from his inside woman. Finally, even this wasn't enough to satiate demand, so Taxiel promised to deliver the High Priestess herself directly to the church. On April 19, 1897, Leo Taxiel walked onto a stage in Paris. He greeted the philosophers, Catholic leaders, and the press he'd invited to the conference. Then he said, do not get angry, my reverend fathers, but do laugh heartily when you're told now that what did happen is the very opposite of what you expected. After that bizarre opener, with all of the leaders of French Catholicism before him, Leo Taxiel finally told the truth. They had all been the bud of an elaborate, 12-year-long practical joke. Everything he'd ever told them about Freemasonry was a lie. In fact, his name wasn't even Leo Taxil. Instead, the prankster before them was actually Gabriel Antoine Jogan Pages. Beginning in 1879, Jogan Pages made his name as Leo Taxil, the anti-Catholic writer. In 1881, he was initiated into a Freemason lodge, but he was expelled soon after, likely due to his controversial books. Angry at the Freemasons and the Catholic Church, he decided to take his revenge on both of them. It was a pretty shrewd plan. The Catholic Church was already distrustful of Freemasonry. In fact, in 1738, the Church declared any Catholic caught practicing Freemasonry would be excommunicated. So Taxil decided to write fake exposés of the Freemasons. 
He knew this would gain the favor of the church, thus making them look ridiculous in the public eye for supporting him. And they did look foolish. Caxial's lies were legion. There was no secret religion within Freemasonry. As for Albert Pike, the supposed leader of the satanic sect, he was a Freemason, but he wasn't a Luciferian pope. In fact, he died six years earlier, in 1891. High Priestess Diana Vaughn was yet another fabrication. While she was real and still alive, she wasn't Taxiel's magical informant. She was his typist. Part of Taxiel's genius was that he used the church's real fears as a basis for his fake lies. The Catholic establishment was wary of Freemasonry, possibly because it was one of the few societies outside of their control in Europe. As a result, they painted the group as amoral to persuade their parishioners not to join. Taxil's claims became sort of a timely convenience. The church wanted Freemasonry to be evil, so they swallowed his outlandish lies without question. Unfortunately, Taxil's prank had lasting ramifications. Even after he admitted to making the whole thing up, people continued associating Freemasons with devil worship. Furthermore, Taxiel's hoax set a precedent for other outlandish stories about the society. And soon, different actors with ulterior motives began spreading rumors that Freemasons were hiding all manner of evil within their shuttered lodges. Up next, the Freemasons are accused of plotting to take over the world. Hi, it's Greg. If you're looking to add some more fun to your feed, subscribe to Parcast Network's new show, Incredible Feats. Every weekday, comedian Dan Cummins, who you might recognize from the hit podcast Time Suck, explores an unbelievable account of physical strength, mental focus, or bizarre behavior. Don't miss the story of the man who broke the sound barrier while skydiving from the edge of space, or the harrowing tale of a 17-year-old girl who survived alone in a rainforest for 11 days after her plane broke apart mid-air or the ultra-marathoner whose rare genetic condition lets him run for days without stopping. Incredible Feet spotlights mind-blowing achievements of everyone from world-class athletes and record breakers to scientists, architects, artists, and more. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. The Taxiel hoax was carried out by provocateur Gabriel-Antoine Jogan Pages to make both the Catholic Church and Freemasons look foolish in the world's eyes. Using the name Leo Taxiel, he kept the ruse alive for 12 years, alleging throughout that Freemasons consorted with demons, practiced magic, and served Satan himself. Even after Taxiel exposed his ruse, it didn't stop people from questioning what went on behind the doors of a Masonic lodge. Eventually, critics of Freemasonry began saying the Taxiel hoax was a deliberate distraction, diverting the public's attention from the true Masonic plot, namely their quest for world domination. In the 1960s, American far-right clubs like the John Birch Society began discussing the possibility of a secret group that wanted to control the world. They alleged that this group, whoever it was, was pushing globalist policies in the United States as a way to consolidate power. According to Birchers, the United Nations was only a precursor for what was to come. While the John Birch Society focused most of their suspicion on communism, this was part of a larger conspiracy. They claimed that once the United States and other leading countries had inextricably linked themselves through worldwide free trade, 
the secret society would pounce, creating a new world order. This is what Birchards called a globalist, totalitarian government in complete control of every country, economic system, and individual person. In 1991, televangelist Pat Robertson published a book titled The New World Order, built on the John Birch Society's claims. Robertson asserted that Freemasons were the ones pulling the world's strings, edging it closer to a brutal one-world government. He also accused the Freemasons of having their hooks in everything from New Age mysticism to Wall Street to the halls of Congress. However, according to Robertson, Congress wasn't the group's most powerful weapon. That honor went to the Council on Foreign Relations, or CFR. The CFR is a nonpartisan think tank of politicians, intelligence personnel, and private experts. They track world events and advise the U.S. on foreign policy. Robertson claimed that when the time was right, the Freemasons, or an even more secret group within Freemasonry, would use the CFR to create one central bank to control the global economy. Despite the fact that Robertson provided little to no proof for his outrageous claims, his book was a New York Times bestseller. In the years since its publication, everyone from YouTubers to state senators have called for investigations into the Freemason conspiracy, he alleged. As we discussed in part one, some people believe that the Masonic influences in the buildings of Washington, D.C. were cryptic signs that America was founded as a Masonic country. Believers in Robertson's New World Order theory took their suspicions one step further. They claimed that Freemasons infiltrated the American government from the start, with the intention that the United States would be their ground zero. As their theory goes, once Freemasons were in place in governments across the globe, the U.S. Masons would signal them to take over. Then, with the United States as a leader, the Freemasons would remake global policy according to the Luciferian plan of the Great Architect. To celebrate their victory, the Freemasons would tear down the ancient Al-Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and build a new version of Solomon's Temple dedicated to Lucifer. Though this all sounded outlandish, believers claimed the clues were all around us. One was even on the back of the American $1 bill. In part one, we discussed the Masonic symbols that found their way onto the Great Seal of the United States in 1782 and the $1 bill in 1935. New World Order conspiracists believed that the Freemasons also hid a message on the currency. They pointed to the fact that the back of the bill included a banner that read Novus Ordo Seclorum. They claimed this Latin phrase meant New World Order. Freemasons and others fought against this charge, arguing that the phrase translated to New Order of the Ages. They alleged that it referred to the United States marking the beginning of a new era as an independent nation. But the critics didn't want to hear it, accusing the Masons of a deliberate mistranslation. They said the phrase New World Order wasn't a declaration of hope, as the Freemasons alleged, but an allusion to a master scheme. And of course, that wasn't the only clue Freemason critics saw in everyday items. For undeniable proof of the group's despotic intent, you need to look no further than Mason's purported headquarters, the Denver International Airport. When the DIA first opened, it was a sprawling complex located just east of the metropolitan center of Denver, Colorado, covering an area of 54 square miles. It was the biggest airport in the United States and second biggest in the world. 
The DIA was supposed to open in October 1993, but it didn't open until February 28, 1995, 16 months late and $2 billion over budget. According to contractors who worked on the airport, the delay was due to the strange scope of the project. More specifically, they witnessed the construction of a hidden network of underground tunnels and fortified bunkers built deep beneath the airport. Depending on who you believe, these tunnels could hold a multitude of things. Some conspiracists claimed Masonic DIA architects used them as secret flight terminals for world leaders. Others asserted the tunnels housed nuclear fallout shelters for the global elite. Some even contended that in the event of civil unrest, the Masons intended these tunnels to hold secret concentration camps run by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. But the most popular theory among anti-Masons was that the Denver airport hid an underground city destined to be the command center of the New World Order. As proof, they pointed to the Masonic capstone placed by the airport's south entrance. On March 19, 1994, the as-yet-unfinished airport hosted a dedication ceremony. Hundreds of Freemasons crowded the concourse, watching as Denver's mayor, Wellington Webb, placed a large slab of granite over a hollow stone box. As explained by the mayor, who was allegedly himself a Freemason, the hollow box was a time capsule. It would be opened by the people of Colorado in 100 years. The capsule reportedly held various paraphernalia of the time, assigned Colorado Rockies baseball, Mayor Webb's signature sneakers, even a viewer's guide to Beavis and Butthead. But many weren't concerned with what was inside the capsule. Rather, anti-Masons focused on the words written outside on the capstone. The stone featured the classic Masonic compass and square meeting at a diamond around the letter G. Inscriptions on either side of the symbol named two grand lodges and their respective worshipful masters. Most curious was a line of text near the bottom of the slab. It simply said, New World Airport Commission. It wasn't long before anti-Masons latched onto the phrase, imbuing it with all manner of secret meanings. But something didn't quite make sense. Hidden bunkers, Masonic symbols, and a group called the New World Airport Commission? For a secret society planning to surreptitiously take over the world, these indicators felt bizarrely blatant. Depending on who you believed, that's probably because the New World Order conspiracy wasn't true. The biggest issue with the Masonic New World Order theory is that it wouldn't make sense for such a group to plant these clues. Suppose they'd been secretly trying to take over the world for decades, planting sleeper agents and encouraging globalist ideas. In that case, it would be illogical to put clear signs of their intentions in one of the world's busiest airports. That wasn't the only aspect of the Denver International Airport conspiracy that proved inconsistent. In fact, nearly all of the suspicions about the DIA fell apart upon close examination. There were tunnels under the airport, just as the contractors claimed in the 1990s. However, they weren't part of the New World Order's secret command center. Instead, the tunnels were part of the massive underground transportation network that airport workers still use to this day. Another disproven theory was the claim that the capstone ceremony was some sort of Masonic ritual. In reality, Masons were often part of large public facility openings due to their historic connection to the construction industry. So it wasn't all that suspicious that DIA designers asked a local lodge to dedicate the time capsule. If anything, it was business as usual. 
As for the New World Airport Commission, it was simply a committee created to celebrate the opening of the airport. When asked, its founder claimed the organization's name wasn't a reference to the New World Order. Instead, it came from a musical source. Czech composer Antonín Dvorak's Ninth Symphony, popularly known as the New World Symphony. Ultimately, the Denver airport didn't have any concrete links to a New World Order. Similarly, Freemasons claim that they too had nothing to do with the New World Order plot. In fact, one of the society's most central tenets insists that politics never be discussed within the Lodge. This rule came into existence because, over the years, Freemasons have come from all walks of life and political persuasions. In a bid to make sure no member felt excluded, discussions about politics were forbidden. Masons pointed to this fact as a defense against their detractors. After all, if they weren't even supposed to discuss politics in their meetings, it would be hard to plan and run an entire secret government. Despite the claims of conspiracy theorists, the Freemasons' New World Order plot probably never existed. What was real, however, were the effects of these theories. People's rabid dedication to anti-Masonic conspiracies meant that the supposedly all-powerful society became victims of deadly persecution. Up next, the real-world cost of the New World Order. Now back to the story. When a group kept their inner workings secret, as the Freemasons did, it was an invitation for outsiders to speculate about their true purpose. The Catholic Church was ready to believe they were evil and therefore took the taxial hoax as fact. Far-right and extremist evangelical thinkers were confident that someone would attack the American system. Consequently, the Freemason New World Order theory became a common trope. Places like the Denver airport even celebrated these fringe beliefs. DIA went as far as hosting an exhibit on conspiracy theories in 2016. Despite the tongue-in-cheek nature of that response, tall tales about the Freemasons have had real consequences. One of the first took place with the publishing of a strange text. The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion first appeared in an abbreviated version in 1903 in a newspaper called Banner. In 1905, the protocols became widely popular when minor Russian government official Sergei Nilus reprinted a full version of the text in an addendum to his autobiography. He claimed that the protocols were meeting minutes he had dug up from a real Zionist conference that took place years earlier. According to Nilus's book, at this purported meeting, a cabal of Jewish masterminds plotted how they would use Freemasons as their servants to infiltrate world governments. In other words, Nilus painted a target on the back of Freemasons and Jewish people alike. He likely coupled the two because Masons and Jewish people were both considered outsiders, with customs that bigots thought strange and nefarious. For that reason, dogmatists like Nilus claim both groups held power over the general population. Jewish people were accused of controlling money, and Masons were accused of infiltrating governments and trying to consolidate power. So two very bigoted, but unfortunately common, stereotypes. Both anti-Semitism and anti-Masonic beliefs predated the protocols. However, in 1905, the book utilized these prejudices as a framework to introduce a new and frightening conspiracy that Jews and Freemasons were working together to rule the world. 
In actuality, the Protocols was a wholly fabricated anti-Semitic work written by the Okhrana, the Russian Tsar's secret police. As it turns out, even the idea of a Jewish Masonic alliance of evil wasn't original. That theory originated much earlier during the French Revolution. Between 1789 and 1799, the disillusioned French citizenry rose up against their decadent ruling class. Despite the many historical works explaining the reasons behind the uprising, over the years, some people have come up with alternative takes. French Jesuit priest Augustin Baruel was one such contrarian. He published books in the late 1790s, arguing that the revolution wasn't due to class discontent. Rather, he claimed that it was the culmination of a secret plot hatched by Freemasons and other occult groups to seize power from Christians. He later embellished this charge, circulating a letter he'd received asserting that Jewish people joined the Masons as perpetrators. These baseless claims trickled down through the years, eventually distilling in the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. As the book gained popularity, the final widely believed plot was this. Jewish people and Freemasons controlled the press and the court. They wielded liberal policies like workers' rights as weapons to weaken Christianity and the state. They posed as intellectuals to disseminate confusion and co-opted education systems to teach immorality. And they controlled the banks, blackmailed politicians, and did anything they could to seize more power from behind the scenes. Obviously, none of this was true. But that didn't stop people, many of whom already held prejudices against Jewish people and Freemasons, from believing it. It wasn't long before the protocols inspired waves of violence across the world, mostly targeting Jewish people. Anti-Semitism was already present in late 19th century Russia, and beginning in 1903, a wave of pogroms, or ethnically directed mob violence, killed hundreds of Jews in the Russian Empire. Despite this horror, some members of the Russian press encouraged anti-Semitic sentiment. As far as we can tell, Russians didn't kill Freemasons during the pogroms. However, the state already saw Freemasons as a subversive group and viewed them with even more suspicion after the protocols came out. This anti-Semitic, anti-Masonic conspiracy theory wasn't restricted to Russia. After the protocols, it quickly spread to France, Germany, even the United States. Across these countries, anti-Semites began seeing Jewish people as leaders of a secret insurgency and Masons as their complicit servants. Even Henry Ford, founder of the Ford Motor Company, believed the protocols, so much so that in the early 1920s, he published weekly anti-Semitic articles in the Dearborn Independent that spread the book's deplorable ideas. As a public figure and industrial giant, his anti-Semitic persuasions brought allegations of a Judeo-Masonic cabal to the forefront of the American public's mind. In this way, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion caused a significant amount of damage, but all the violence it inspired would pale in comparison to the deadly campaign yet to come. It was fashionable in the 1920s to blame Masons and Jewish people for society's woes. And soon, political actors began presenting evil solutions to the purported Masonic Jewish problem. In his 1925 manifesto, Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler repeated the claim that there was a Jewish cabal that secretly ran the world, 
He also asserted that they used Freemasonry to influence world politics. This erroneous belief is why Nazis persecuted Freemasons along with Jewish people. After seeing the fate that was befalling their Jewish neighbors, German Masons adopted a new symbol to elude capture. At a 1926 Masonic convention in Bremen, participants all received a small blue forget-me-not flower. The forget-me-not was already a symbol used by charitable organizations in Germany to remember the poor, so initially the flower was distributed to the German Masons as a reminder of their charitable duties. However, the Nazi party chose to make the blue forget-me-not one of their emblems for a charitable group, causing the Masons to cling even harder to the symbol. By 1934, Hitler had declared the Masons enemies of the state. So the Masons began wearing the forget-me-not badges in the hopes that it would help them blend in with Nazi supporters, allowing them to hide in plain sight. Consequences for discovery were dire. Lodges were ordered to dissolve and sometimes raided or even destroyed. In addition, Nazis displayed stolen Masonic paraphernalia as evidence of the group's evil ways. And they even created anti-Mason exhibitions to ridicule the society's customs. Even worse than mockery, identified Freemasons were seized and sent to concentration camps around the Greater German Reich. Nazis forced gay people to wear pink triangles, and Jewish people were to stitch yellow Stars of David onto their coats. As another enemy of the state, Masons were required to don inverted red triangles. By the time World War II ended in 1945, historians estimate that Nazis killed between 80,000 and 200,000 Freemasons. They also murdered six million Jewish people in the camps. After the war ended, the forget-me-not endured as a symbol for Masons who survived the Nazi occupation. Since the dark days of the war, Freemasonry has flourished. It boasts six million members worldwide and proudly continues its mission to foster community and brotherly love. While the group isn't the power-hungry cabal its detractors claim, it does count many politicians, bankers, and lawmakers among its ranks. With such esteemed members, it's natural to speculate about what happens behind closed lodge doors. It can even be fruitful to discuss the role that Freemasons have had in shaping America. However, while doing so, it is important to remember the very real cost that some of the more outlandish Freemason conspiracy theories have had. The carnage of the Holocaust teaches the lesson that groups accused of controlling the world might instead become victims in their own right. Despite this dark era in their history, today, Freemasons find inspiration in one of their central tenets, taught by the stories of Hiram Abiff, the grand architect of the Temple of Solomon. In line with the story's message, Masons believe they must keep moving forward out of the darkness of ignorance and into the light. Thanks again for tuning into Secret Societies. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. For more information on Freemasonry, amongst the many sources we used, we found Freemasons for Dummies by Christopher Hodap, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Secret Societies, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. 
To stream Secret Societies on Spotify, just open the app and type Secret Societies in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Secret Societies was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Secret Societies was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Allie Wicker, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Remember to follow incredible feats for mind-reeling stories of strength, focus, and achievement. Comedian and podcaster Dan Cummins hosts, bringing his signature humor to these extreme accounts. You might be glad you've never lived these stories, but you'll love hearing them. Subscribe to Incredible Feats free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.